Can we make America's aging population a competitive advantage? Uh, what do we know about the health benefits of green space? And what can that mean for the future of Parcel 5 in downtown Rochester? And first, I'm here with Patty Singer, Matthew Leonard here at the Democrat and Chronicle, once again talking about healthy life issues. Uh, Patty, we've got some new information, at least on a select group of uh, health consumers, about opioid prescriptions and some news about the uh, lawsuits that are being brought against some of the pharmaceutical companies behind uh, prescription opioids. What do you want to tell us? Well, that prescription opioids in New York, the number of uh, prescriptions have been written for opioids from 2013 to 2017 among Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial subscribers, right, so we're already shrinking our pool here, uh, is down uh, better than the national average. It's 35% uh, uh, less over that period of time, uh, down from the national average. I think the national average, was, I believe, was 29%, so it's better than that. In the Rochester area, where Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield broke out some figures, um, it is 33% less. So... Um, your neighbors, you may be getting uh, fewer opioid prescriptions. Those prescriptions have a, are more likely to be in line with what the CDC is saying for the dose of the medication as well as the number of pills you're given. So what is that meaning for our opioid crisis? Well, again, we've got a select pool, commercial subscribers to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Now, in our area, that's, that's a lot. I mean, Excellus is the dominant insurer. So that's a lot of people. But elsewhere in the state, elsewhere in the country, it's really hard to draw conclusions as, oh, is it really going down? Because, you know, I haven't seen anything from United and Aetna and Cigna and all the other big commercial insurers out there and what they're doing for writing. For writing. So in our area, the, that's down. Now, um, is that something that big farmers is going to wave in this, these lawsuits that are coming up? Well, look, things are going down, so it's not as bad. We're not culpable. Uh, so the state Supreme Court justice in New York City has allowed the New York counties to go forward with their lawsuit against opioid manufacturers, which pretty much is the counties are saying that the manufacturers use deceptive practices to get doctors to prescribe these things, and they, they are seeking redress of grievances. Right. Um, similar to what states did back in the 90s with tobacco. Tobacco, you never told us this was this addictive, everybody's hooked, we're paying oodles of money to treat this, make us, make us whole, in a sense. And then we had the tobacco settlement. People were paying attention back then. They know that that tobacco money was not used solely for tobacco problems. I mean, a lot of it filled potholes. I'm not saying potholes don't need to be filled, but could there be a repeat of that if there is an opioid settlement? Perhaps. It's way too early to start talking about the specifics, but people are drawing conclusions. Well, is this going to be like tobacco, and there's a huge problem, and the manufacturers are paying, but it's not going back to fix that. And problem. this is going to play out over years, and all, all the uh, judge's decision is that there's enough basis in the complaint to proceed. So we're going to see money streaming into lawyers' offices for 
many years to come, I suspect, over this particular issue. Um, let's move on. Uh, more of that kind of story, uh, democratandchronicle.com. I'm here with Patty Singer. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit now about uh, ageing and America's ageing population. Patty, um, you know, no secret that America's population is ageing. We're seeing that played out in lots of different uh, social and social spheres. What's, uh, what's the essence of this particular um, bit of research you wanted to share? Well, is, can we build an economy based on an older population? Uh, the myth that when you're 65, you basically fold up the tent. Not true. Uh, what kind of economy can be built around an aging workforce? Um, there was a, a study that was out in the, uh, I love names of journals, the Gerontological Society of America. Look so catchy, this. that one. Yeah, it, yeah, it right. is. I definitely right. trips off the tongue, literally. Um, but if you, you think about that from an economic standpoint, and then think about it from a health standpoint, right? So they're not unrelated. If you can build an economy around our senior citizens, and I'm going to be one soon, build an economy around me and my, and my colleagues. Can you also build, how do you have to factor in, in their health as well? And by building an economy around them, do you make them healthier? Looking for ways to continue to keep them active in a workforce, whether that's a paid or volunteer workforce, what are the implications of that for the health of these individuals? And then on the entire economy, if you if they if these people need less health care for a variety of reasons because they're still active or still contributing financially into that system, how are we all going to be better off? So let's not push you know grandma and grandpa off to the side of the workforce because there are implications for all of us from an economical and a health economy standpoint, but keeping them active and engaged in a workforce. Right, and clearly, I mean, logically, people who are isolated uh, are at greater risk. I mean, you've seen some of this with some of these intentional senior communities that are being formed where people are looking to, you know, not in uh, not in uh, high care uh, context, but obviously in sort of intentional communities where people uh, may try and um, be able to share cooking or share transport or share other kinds of um, uh, things like that. Um, Around around the kinds of challenges that come with aging in place, right? Oh, exactly. And, and the thing too is is what we've seen with the last economic downturn. A lot of older people had to stay in the workforce to recoup the four hundred one k and the investments and things like that. That's not the whole reason to build an economy around around older people. You know, how are folks fitting into the work the workforce? What are the myths around if older people stay in the workforce, younger people can't get into the workforce? So it's addressing some of these stereotypes against older workers and how is this going to benefit everybody? Again, you know, we're a healthy life podcast, so from a health standpoint, but all of us also from an economic standpoint, health and, and economics are very tied together. Right, which is a perfect segue into uh, the discussion of uh, health, the health benefits it's a green space. Uh, I know you've uh, written uh, columns on this, uh, particularly in relation to uh, some of the discussions around the future of uh, open space in the downtown area, where there's obviously uh, building, they're trying to attract more people, more residents downtown, but there's a kind of a mismatch between availability of open space uh, going forward. If, for example, a space like Parcel 5, which people always get out and uh, interact with during Jazz Fest and in this year in the Fringe Festival, um, ends up being a, an entertainment centre rather than a space where people can chuck a frisbee and you know play play wiffle ball, right? So wiffle uh, ball, yeah, right. <laughs> close to my heart. Right. So the study um, that looked at it came out of the UK, but it, it looked at it looked at twenty countries and how they use green space and the health implications of that. And, and it, 
sometimes you wonder, you slap your head, why do people do research? I mean, it seems, when the, when the conclusion is, I guess, what you want it to be, it seems so obvious. But the green space has innumerable health benefits across lifespans, you know, across the ages for people. And it, it's just, when you have the opportunity to develop, uh, they're calling for, you know, look for the opportunity to develop green space. Now, people think green space, you throw a couple, you know, plant some trees, throw some grass, boom, you're done with your green space. Not true. Green space has to be planned as much as your buildings are planned. What are we going to do with this area? How do we want to use it? Can we put some buildings here and some green space here? It's got to be very, very deliberate and planned. If it's not, other studies have shown that it, it fails. It's, it's, it does draw people you don't want drawn there and it's you know a weed pile and things like that but it there's you know research from 20 countries really can't be wrong in a sense it's something that people in Rochester really have to look at is do we want to develop this as a building which will be there potentially for the next hundred years or green space which will grow and change and evolve as our community wants it and if again we're talking about health if you want to bring people downtown and have them living in boxes and buildings, where are they going to go for their recreation, you know, close by? Um, and tied into what we talked about first and what can be the economy of this. Again, you have a lot of older people downtown. They've got grandkids who want to come down and play. How can you build an economy around a green space? That takes creative thinking. Right, especially if you're, trying, you're getting empty nesters, people who may be divesting themselves of their big suburban family home and actually want to be participating in uh, downtown activities, walking to the gallery or to you know the little theatre, that kind of stuff. So we've got to go. Uh, more of this at democratandchronicle.com. I'm Matthew Leonard, and I've been here with uh, my colleague Patty Singer. Thanks, Patty. Thank you, Matthew.